welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Genesee Dothi Puntigam, or Jen for some, is an American professional soccer player for the mighty FC Köln in the German Bundesliga. She's also represented the U.S. women's national team at the U-17 level and had stints in France's top tier as well as Sweden's. Jen is playing alongside her wife Sarah for the first time after a few times lacing up against each other in France. We talk Genesee's path to pro, LGBTQ plus representation in sports, being an ambassador, confidence, and so much more. Enjoy. So, Genesee Puntigam, welcome to Footwork. Thanks for coming on. Love to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, we always start with the motto here, make your own path. So, someone who's played professionally in places like France, Sweden, Germany, and also been an ambassador off the field, what does making your own path mean to you? Um, making my own path means being brave and being bold and not shying away from opportunities if they seem scary or different or there's a little bit of uncertainty behind it and making sure that I challenge myself and also being confident in the decision that I do end up making and just making sure that I'm doing things for myself and not for other people. Love that. Now, who are you? Where were you? And where are you going? My name is Genesee Puntigam. I'm a professional women's footballer. Um, I was a normal American teenager living in my American bubble. And I'm going onwards and upwards um, into the end stages of my career and yeah, into the unknown. Into the unknown. Love that. A little fun fact about you that we heard on another podcast is that you grew up figure skating, I think 13 years, and your mom is a professional figure skater as well. So I wanted to know a little bit about that process and maybe how it helped shape the footy career. <laughs> um, figure skating really taught me discipline. Um, like you said, I, I did it from, from when I started walking until about 12, 13. And it was a process of just waking up every single morning, going to the rink before school, skating, school, and then coming back to the rink again and continuing just kind of perfecting the craft of an individual sport. Um, and yeah, it taught me what it takes to be an athlete, like in the purest form of just, you know, hard work and resilience and discipline and, you know, all the core, core values of what it means to be an athlete. And I learned that really young and it's stuck with me throughout my whole career. And I'm actually really grateful for the experience because it was a very unique one. So yeah. I could imagine. Sure. Do you do you think learning something like that so young, just kind of that process and that structure normalized it for you? So now it just kind of became second nature. Yeah, it was just like my day to day tasks, mm. like, I, like waking up before the sun was up at like when I was like five, six, seven, eight. Like this was just normal for me. Like mm -hmm. and I, I enjoyed it as well. And it just becomes something that you appreciate later on when you realize, oh, the day doesn't actually start until like nine o'clock for most people. So yeah, I think it's it's been yeah. really stuck with me. And were you playing other sports at the time? It sounds like this was pretty consuming. It was, but like I love I played ice hockey, I did track and field, I played oh. basketball throughout high school. I just love sports. So 
And I mean, talking to, I mean, we experience it too. You talk to a lot of Germans here, and I'm sure it was kind of the same in Sweden and France, where players don't really grow up playing 10 sports like we do in America. And I was just wondering how you feel like maybe that helped you on the field. Um, from a young age, I know like from like body and coordination and development, like they say, like if you play multiple sports, you're more likely to become like a professional because you've already developed so early mm -hmm. um, other skills that you wouldn't normally have if you've just practiced one sport. Um, so I think it's important for people and kids that, you know, want to be professional that you do train outside of your, your main sport so you don't get burned out. And yeah, you just see other things that you wouldn't normally see if you're just stuck in football. Yeah. And before we start with an hour, are you still uh, hitting the rink? Practicing <laughs> your figure skating? <laughs> um, not, as, not as often as I was like to, but always in the wintertime when I am, am home for Christmas, my sisters and my mom and I, we always go out and we have a little tradition of just skating around with each other like the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now starting with the now, you joined FC Kuhn about nine months ago. Uh, how has the season been for you personally? Uh, how have you enjoyed your time in, in the Bundesliga and in Germany in general? Um, the season has been, it's been a little tumultuous, I won't lie. Um, for me personally, I had kind of a medium-sized in injury right before the season started that, that took me out for a bit. Um, and then, you know, to, to have to fight to get your, your spot back and the playing time that you want is, it's never easy, but again, it's part of the, part of the sport. Um, so for my journey, personally, I'm happy with where I am now. And then for, as a team, you know, we're struggling right now for points. We are in relegation mode, but we've had some staff changes and some inner upheaval, um, that I think is going to put us on the right track for, for, um, projecting up into the higher spots on the table. Um, and then what was the other part of your question? How have you enjoyed Germany? Oh, I love Germany, actually. Surprisingly, I was not expecting- Surprisingly. <laughs> I was not expecting to like Germany as much as I do. I do think that's maybe because I'm in Cologne and it's a very open and colorful and lively city. Um, so I absolutely adore Cologne. Um, the only thing is the weather. That's my only complaint. Is that it's yeah, coming coming from California, I can I can understand oh that. My it's God. that's tough to compete with anywhere it's, in the world. Like, it just, the sunshine is so important, and I never yeah. I took that for advantage like for so long, and now I just every time there's like one ray of sunlight on my balcony, I'm like running to sit outside. So, uh, yeah, you on that. <laughs> it's funny too because um when you speak to people back home, when they think of Germany, it's usually like. Oktoberfest and then maybe Berlin so it's cool to like see these other cities like pop up and then get some more recognition how do you how would you describe Cologne to, to friends back home like what does it have to offer I think that if you want to be active like you will you don't have you will never be bored in Cologne if you want to do something you can walk out into the street and there's like salsa classes going on in the park or there's a bunch of different cute little cafes and there's music and live concerts and like anything that you would want in a city like fun wise is there um and then the fact that they're for me personally like I really appreciate the fact that the whole city is very open towards mm. like social aspects that maybe you wouldn't get in other countries um, my wife and I are able to walk down the street and hold hands and I don't feel like 
that people are staring at me or judging me. So this is something that I really appreciate about Cologne as well. Do you have a favorite food? Um, I like Rybekuchen. A oh, lot. nice. Good yeah. pronunciation too. Yeah. Thank you. And of course, the currywurst can't go wrong either. No, you yeah. can't go wrong. Just can't have it too too often. I think yeah. maybe a nice nice treat meal after a win or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you spoke on this. So this zone of relegation is a, is another kind of very interesting topic that is very um, specific to Europe and the European game. So how does how do you feel like the team is approaching this this end of the season to kind of not panic, but also to, to really be serious and kick into gear to make sure that you're safe for the end of the season? I think within the team, we've put a lot of emphasis in the last couple of weeks on like team cohesion and making sure we're on the same page and having a positive attitude as a part, as opposed to like getting kind of dug into a hole of negative thinking. And so we have done a lot of team building exercises and have been saying within ourselves, like, you know, we can do this, like, look at all the talent we have on our team. And we hear that from the outside as well, that people who hear that we're in relegation, they, they're saying like, oh, wow, I'm surprised because if you look at your team roster, it's like national team player, national team player, like internationals, like we, we have a very, very strong team talent wise and on paper. So I think it's just a matter of reaching within ourselves and making sure that we're on the same page, number one, but um, also translating that um, onto the field and making sure that we're working together as a unit and not as individuals. Mm -hmm. And is this your first time in the relegation zone kind of fighting? Yes. That, that Yes. I mean, it's a disaster for clubs when, when they do, do go down leagues and uh, something from America that we don't have experience until coming over here. Exactly. It's so weird. Like it's such, there's so like you have to feel like there's so much pressure. Like there really is a lot of pressure on you to perform because you don't want to be like the one on the field that makes a mistake that leads to the goal that leads to the loss of points, you know? And so it's a lot of pressure on individuals and as us on a, as a group, because yeah, the club has put a lot of effort into the women's section this year. And I think also going forward. And so we don't want to let them down as well. So it's a lot. How do you feel like, do you, do you recognize in yourself when you're playing with fear and when you're playing more with confidence, like playing to not mess up as in opposed to playing to make things happen? Do you feel like that's, you've kind of witnessed that relationship a little bit more dealing with something like this? Yeah, definitely. And for me, like a big motto that I use is like trying to have like a championship mentality mm -hmm making sure that I have that at all times with me. And it's important that I train my mind as well as train my body. So I spent a lot of time doing like mental health work and positive visualization and things that will help help me be able to com compartmentalize the mistakes I do make on the field so that I can, you know, move on and continue playing without, without that fear aspect. Hmm. Do you have any specific tips that you could share with us? Like maybe kind of a visualization routine and how that helps you? Yeah, I well, my, what I personally like to do before every game is I have like two or three like motivational videos that I like to watch, oh, cool. just, you know, with the, the pump up music in the back. The same I, ones are always different. There's like two or three that I like use. They're go-tos, yeah. Go-tos, yeah. Um, so I always do this and then like on the way to the game, if we're in the bus, I'll have like a highlight reel in my head of things that I remember doing well. 
and then mm -hmm. I want to replicate again in the in the coming game. So I always run that highlight reel through my head and then yeah, just positive affirmations to myself, a little bit of prayer before the game. Have you have you kind of learned these things on your own? Have you ever worked with someone, any any sports psychologist, or how have you kind of come to this this plan and this action? Mm, we did have a sports psychologist in um, the college level. Mm -hmm. who, she was the one who taught me about like the um, the highlight reel, for example. And then honestly, through watching like Kobe Bryant and his Mamba mentality, like YouTube, <laughs> reading his books, like I kind of learned some other some other things that I, that I keep with me in my back pocket too. So a little bit of love both. that. Love that. Now, an amazing thing that you mentioned before is that you play alongside your wife. And I can't imagine that there's many stories out there at this level, at this professional level where that's occurring. So after playing against her a few times, I know in France, how does it feel to, to share the pitch on the same side this year? It's amazing. Like she's my best friend and <laughs> Like, not only is there like a little bit of friendly competition between us, but also it's nice to have an outlet where like we can bounce ideas off of each other or, you know, a little bit of a little, um, what's the word, a little bit of healthy criticism after the game where I'll ask mm -hmm. her, like, what did you think about this player or before the game even, we'll go through the video together and I'll be like, okay, I've played against her. Um, and we just give each other little tips and tricks. And it's nice to just have somebody that you can, that understands every aspect of your life. And yeah. then as well as like my, my second love is football and she understands this as well. So it's nice to have, have her honestly. Yeah. Has anything surprised you, I guess, in terms of like what you're expecting from, from playing together and training together, has anything surprised you? Mm, it surprised me that she's a little, um, feisty on the field <laughs> kind of talking back to the ref sometimes and I have okay. to kind of bring her back down and yeah she's got a little bit of an attitude that that you normally wouldn't see with her personality that comes out on the field <laughs> yeah that makes yeah. sense once you get on the, the pitch it's business and yeah, we all have that kind yeah. of a second personality totally so staying on this topic I mean kind of bringing into inclusion in sports it's a topic that's of course, growing, but not talked about enough. And, and reading a little bit about your story with Athlete Ally, which is an, an organization you're an ambassador with, um, you talk about this idea, and I'll read the quote directly. Every athlete should be able to play and live freely without the heaviness of shame and guilt weighing them down. Life is a tumultuous ride for everyone, for LGBTQI plus athletes, being public about the love life, love of your life shouldn't be a burden, and, a sports, should be, and sports should be for all. So if you wouldn't mind, could you speak a little bit about your journey in finding and expressing yourself both on and off the field and how this idea kind of came into place? Mm -hmm. um, I think when I started to discover my, my sexuality is probably back in the college level. And I was lucky in that sense that I went to UC Berkeley, which is again, a very open San Francisco. It was very gay friendly. And it was the first time where I understood what it meant to be gay and I had other people around me that were gay and I was kind of I felt like okay this is a safe space for me to you know come out to friends and family um so I did come out around that time 17 18 but wasn't fully out to the public and then as I moved to France I 
thought to myself, okay, it's not a good time for me to tell people that I'm out. I'm worried it's going to affect my career. I'm worried it's going to affect my playing time. And one small incident happened when I was at my first club where I had a best friend who was, she was just a platonic friend. There was nothing more. But the president of the club and my head coach were under the impression that we were dating. And from then, I got a call from my agent who said, like, you need to cut this off if you're dating her. It's a distraction for the other girls on the team. It's a distraction for the club. Like, we don't want to be associated with this type of behavior is what they said. And for me, as soon as I heard that, I was just absolutely shocked and confused and disappointed and immediately my confidence dipped. And any athlete will tell you if you are playing with no confidence, then you're basically playing with one leg cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really hard pill for me to swallow, thinking to myself, like, I, I'm never going to be able to come out to these people because this is this is the reaction. I'm not even doing anything yet. So um, this was after this happened and I left this kind of toxic environment, I took a couple, a year off, I think one or a year and a half off from football and kind of went back home and was with family. And after that, I met my wife. And when I met her, I thought to myself, like, this is who I want to be with. And I don't want to be in a situation where I have to hide myself. I don't want the guilt. I don't want the shame, but I also want to be able to play openly and freely. And so, yeah, after being in Sweden for some time, and then finally ending up back in, in Germany, my wife and I had said at the time that we want to be at a club that focuses on inclusion um, and really puts a spotlight on, on homosexuality and doesn't swipe it under the rug or pretend like it doesn't exist. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how we ended up in Cologne, apart from other things, but that was- Of thing. course, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, I mean, it's a shame that it has to be in that decision factor should be very open at all these clubs. How do you feel like, I mean, how do you feel like you said they were swept under the rug, the issues. So was it more of, it just didn't feel like a place where it was inclusive, where it felt like you could be your, your open self. Yeah. It just felt like I had to pretend that I was somebody that I wasn't. And it's no secret that women's football is is very gay. <laughs> like it, it just it that's just a fact of the way it is. So, um, another small example I could point out is like in countries like Sweden and Germany, they have the rainbow armband, or they have um, the rainbow the corner flags, or yeah. on Pride Month, even on Twitter, um, some clubs you'll see will write like Happy Pride or like put a rainbow badge over their flag. Something you know, small gestures that show like. Mm-hmm. We were kind of we kind of rock with you guys, but in in France mostly it was just like it just was never talked about. You never saw a rainbow anything. Players were refusing to wear the rainbow numbers, and it's just yeah, it's just not a nice place to be. So, because I've I've I saw on a video too that you were talking a little bit about the inclusion of LGBTQ plus for women's football from the player side. So, has it? been mostly inclusive from your experience or still like in areas like where you've been maybe sometimes in France where it felt like even the players weren't weren't um you know abiding or around for that absolutely not the players in every country and every team and every age level have been fantastic like Mm. it's not a it's not a thing because it is so normalized within ourselves that you would be the minority or you would be the outlier if you were sitting there being like, oh, I don't want a gay person on the team. It just doesn't happen because 
it's just normal as it should be. So the disconnect really comes from outside. It comes from the clubs. It comes from the management. It comes from the fans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame. And I, I think, I mean, speaking about it from the men's side, I think it can be a, a bit more taboo, which is a very depressing notion where like, I mean, you mentioned the women's, the players are inclusive and you felt that for the most part. So, I mean, from the men's side, it feels like that is a step that needs to be taken where it's kind of like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel open. It doesn't feel like it should in that regard. So, I mean, what advice do you think you could give to the men's side to, I guess, from players and teammates to help and make it feel like that more inclusive and more of a safe space? Um, my advice would be to encourage players who maybe are out or out within the team and just not out to the public to come forward publicly. I know it's scary and it's daunting and, you know, your whole life, maybe you think is going to come crashing down, but, you know, we need visibility and we just don't have any visibility. And so when players do come out or the ones that you see that have trickled here and there, a couple of hockey players, a couple of football players have come out. Um, and then you need the teammates or the players in the league to come out and support them. And, you know, mm-hmm. not to write like, like negative tweets or I don't know, put them down. We need them to be uplifted so more people feel comfortable coming out and coming forward. So I think it's really up to the teammates around to create the environment and to show the fans that we're not going to tolerate any, any negativity and any hate. We are, we support our teammates. We support our friends and it's okay to be gay. Yeah. And Dylan mentioned it before about Athlete Ally. Can you speak more about this organization and your, your role in this? Yeah. Athlete Ally is, yeah, they're just a force for the LGBT community, um, for transgender, for um, bisexual, for basically anyone that falls under the umbrella of LGBTQ um, and then within sports and to making sure that, um, sorry, it's my doorbell. Um, making sure that athletes feel safe to to play and that there is an environment um, without hate and without judgment. And yeah, and right now, for example, they're doing a really big thing on the transgender kids being able to play sports. And sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, No, I think I have an Amazon package just daily. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Always, always Amazon knocking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So they're really right now focusing on this in America. They're passing laws in Florida and Virginia or whatever, Tennessee, that kids can't play sports if they're transgender. Um, And so they're really trying to spearhead that. and yeah, I just like to talk about my feelings as a per- professional athlete and how it was for me growing up as a kid. So yeah, I just help here and there when I can. How how do you feel like it's helped you to be more open about your process and having that as an outlet to give back and hopefully encourage and you know help others in, in similar situations? Um, I think that for me personally, like my confidence, like I said, has just skyrocketed because I feel that I can be who I am. And that's really so important um, in life and in sports. And then for for kids or um, fan, young fans to come to the game and say, oh, I have a girlfriend and you made me feel you made me feel comfortable. Like I told my parents, I've had a couple of people DM me and ask for advice on how to come out. And it's just nice to know that you know, that I am having some sort of impact on young people 
who maybe are scared or don't know what to do. So it's nice to see the 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 flip side of it. Yeah. And then coming back to France, when you first made the tra uh, transition overseas, uh, you played against Sarah over there. How did that move come about? I played against who? Sorry. Your wife. Oh, Sarah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that came about. We just, she was playing for a team called Montpellier, and I had, um, I had moved to a smaller team called Dijon. And yeah, we play each team twice, twice a year. And the first time it happened, I remember we talked before the game and we were like, okay, hey, whatever happens, whoever loses, like, let's not drag it into the next night. Like we can talk about it, but like, let's not make a big thing out of this. And mm -hmm. her team was the team that was like favored to win because they were like a little bit better than us. And my team ended up winning. And it was like this big thing. I'll never forget. She was so upset and just going back and forth. We spent the next two days talking about every piece of tactic, every bad pass, everything that you could think <laughs> talk about. And I was just like secretly like so happy inside. But I couldn't say that because I had to support her. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I feel like you still have bragging rights years later. Totally, totally, totally. Does yeah. that come up? That's like that's like the end. That's like, well, I, I won here, so. Yeah, that, that's the big Trump card. Like, <laughs> love it. that. I, I got it. And then, I mean, your first transition into France from university, how did that come about? I know um, Alex Morgan was a little bit involved in that. Yeah, so I did play with Alex Morgan. She was a senior when I was a freshman. And so I kind of knew her a little bit. And when I was graduating, Alex had reached back out to our head coach and asked if any players were looking to go abroad. And she has an agent for us. And I was like, I absolutely want to go abroad because at the time the NWSL was a bit of a mess. Um, and so this agent came back and he said, you know, I have trials for you in Japan in Germany and in France, like which one sounds the best? And I was like, well, France. And <laughs> I went to France. <laughs> mm -hmm. Your German, like your German friends now are like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I ended up in Germany anyways, so. Yeah. What a, what an interesting experience Japan would have been too. What yeah. came into that decision? Why you picked France in the end? Um, I always wanted to learn the French language. I've always wanted to go to Paris. Um, it just seemed like an easier assimilation into the culture as opposed to mm. Germany. Um, I was a little nervous about going to Germany. And then Japan would have just been way too much of a, way too big of a change, I think, for my first time. Mm -hmm really leaving the country and being out on my own, I think it would have been a little bit too much. Right. And how did your football develop in those first years abroad? Um, my technical skills just got a hundred times better. Like in France, it's all technical, like mm. way to pass, first touch, um, being able to hit different texture styles of balls. Like they just focus so much on the technical side and yeah, it completely changed me as a player. And I'm actually really grateful to have been there. How about off the field? Like, how did you feel like that transition was? I know, I mean, Sean and I can attest to obviously learning a language and feeling like a guest in a country when you can't always be involved in the conversations and, and things like that. So how, how was that transition and how did you feel like you adapted as a person off the field? Um, it was a big test for my character because I was a little bit shy um, and reserved before I left um, college, but you know, I said to myself, like, I want to do something different and I want to experience the world. 
And I kind of just took every challenge head on. And like you said, like not going into a country and not being able to speak the language, you're kind of in like a sink or swim type situation. Yeah. Um, so I was really motivated to learn um, the language and yeah, to just, I just had to be uncomfortable with being, or I had to be comfortable with being uncomfortable as they yeah. say. Um, yeah. yeah. And you just kind of have to dive head first into something like this. I feel like there's no like easy way to do this. You just do it and hope for the yeah. best. And did you wind up speaking the language in the end over the course of three years? I did. I did. I am proud to say that was through the help of classes multiple times a week, an intensive French course. Um, but I am pretty fluent in French. So nice. And, and I, how is that? Yeah, oh, go ahead. Sean. Go ahead. I was going to say, how has that helped your transition in Germany, learning German? Oh my God. Learning German has been a little more difficult. Roller coaster. Like. <laughs> It's just, when you think you start to get the hang of it, like something else comes up and you're like, actually, I know nothing at all. I have no idea. So Germany and German has been tough. Um, but again, there's a lot of motivation for me to learn because my wife's family is from Austria and they really don't speak English at all. And then, of course, just being able to like participate in conversations that are happening on the bus or at the dinner table with my team. It's important. People who speak English, but, you know. It's kind of sometimes you feel like a burden having to be like oh what did he say or like can you say that again mm -hmm. you know so there is a motivational factor for me but it, it's not easy I'll tell you that it's definitely harder than French <laughs> no I, I get it I mean there's like 20 words for the so I mean when you just get into that it's just the grammar becomes very difficult grammar is a joke I don't know what was going on when they were thinking about this language <laughs> I think uh I think if people understand you enough, whether you get der, die, das, and then the rest of them, right, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 you're right. But then, like, then you get into, like, your fella, and, like, dame, dame, like, all this thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could, it, it could be the whole podcast episode, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's, it stressed us, I'm sure, all three of us out enough. Um, yeah. You spent some time in Sweden as well. I mean, I've spent some time in Sweden and that language was, it just seemed like, why try? Because yeah. I mean, everyone spoke perfect English and then a lot of the times they're speaking English. So, I mean, I think you were only there for one year. Did you have any experience with like, okay, I'm not even going to try this? Yeah, I think I was more like, I need to pick and choose my battles here and I'm not going <laughs> to try to kid myself into thinking I can learn Swedish. Um <laughs> And like you said, everyone's speaking English. So for me, it was fine. And I knew it was more of a short-term thing. So yeah, I didn't even really try, to be honest. And, and how did you end up there? Um, after my third year at Montpellier, I wasn't playing as much as I would have liked to. And I said to my agent, like, what's available? And I, my best friend at the time was playing in Sweden on this team. And they said they were looking for a left back. And I was like, well, let's do it. Like, I'm all about the adventure I'm all about trying new things like I've said and popped over there was there for a year it was extremely cold yeah I mean we're going to talk about weather that's like that is a different that is that is no joke that is no but joke when did the season run from did it run through the summer um it was through the summer yeah the the big break was from like November to January or something mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. yeah and I know that kind of that season runs different to to European, so that probably left you in a little bit of a bind. Is that is that when you went back to America and and kind of played close to home semi professionally? 
Yeah, exactly. For I think like six to eight months. I don't remember exactly. I was there um, playing semi-pro with some friends and just kind of taking a breath away from the seriousness of soccer and figuring out the next contract and all that stuff. I kind of just, you know, yeah, I want to be around my family and take a bit of a mental health pause um, as well as wait for another opportunity to come up. And I heard you speak about this, this career break. And I think it's such an an admiring thing and a very interesting thing that I think a lot of players wouldn't do who should probably do when they're faced in a similar circumstance and feeling maybe that burned out or feeling that lack of love and passion for the game that you have in, in the past. So I was just hoping you could speak a little bit in detail about kind of the feelings that made you or that brought you to that decision and kind of maybe the outside extraneous factors of, of putting pressure on you maybe to stay in the game and not take that break? Mm -hmm. um, for me, it kind of boiled down to the fact that I hadn't really seen my family for more than like a one week, two week stretches at a time for like three years. Mm -hmm. And for me, my family's was like my main support system. And when you don't have that, sometimes you just, I don't know, feel a little lost or empty. And then, um, what was I going to say? I, sorry, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, Happens all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And then when you find yourself like dreading going to practice or wishing mm. or, or thinking of, oh, how can I get out of this? Or am I sick today? Maybe I have a little bit of a tweak on my knee and, you know, start making excuses for, for going to work or going to play, then that's what I knew. I was like, okay, something's not right. And I needed to just do basically like a big, big reset. And I remember when I told my agent I wanted to leave Sweden early because I technically had another year in my contract. Um, he was like, this is career suicide. Are you sure it's going to be so tough? Nobody's going to take you if you've been a year off. And I was like, then so be it. Like, I think that my resume at the time had can speak for itself. Um, and I had complete confidence that I would be able to make it back if I trained hard enough. And if only I was just given the opportunity, then I, I knew that a team would take me. Um, so I really had to think like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to step away. And I did, and I didn't like check any, um, any game scores. I didn't follow any leagues. I unfollowed like all the teams that I followed on Instagram. So I just kind of like got it out of my head and Clean I break. Yeah. Yeah, I learned to love the sport again just by playing like pickup um, with some friends every here and there and training in the gym on my own terms and stuff like that. And when did you feel that you were ready to get back into the game after this break? Mm, I think probably I was watching probably some Champions League game. I don't know which one. And I was just sitting there like, oh, I, I, ha I missed that feeling of like stepping out onto the field and yeah, like I missed the competition aspects and I just felt like I needed to get back again. I'm not, I can't, I'm not sure if I, there was really like one moment. It's just like, okay, mm. I'm ready again. Like I feel, I feel good in my mental health. I feel stable with my, with my body and I'm ready to go. And so when you were coming back in and um, talking with clubs, clubs, contacting clubs, was this part of the conversation? Like, where have you, where have you been for the, the past, you know, months or a year? Oh yeah. <laughs> Everyone was like, what were you doing? And I just had to <laughs> say the truth. I, I said like, um, I needed a break. I took a pause for myself. Um, 
and I needed to step away. I just had to say the truth. I mean, there was really no other way to go about it. And a lot of clubs like did not like that, you know, because, mm. you know, I think a lot of the old school people or coaches or think like, okay, then I'm weak if I'm not able to like overcome things mentally. I don't know, but it was, it was tougher than I thought. It was like panicking for a little bit, but everything ended up working out. Um, and yeah, if I hadn't have stopped, then I don't know if I would have what I would have done, but I would have ended up hating soccer and that's not what I wanted. So. Yeah. I was going to say like, I mean, do you think about like that feeling, if you did continue, do you feel like you would still be playing right now? Um, no, <laughs> no, I don't. I think that I would have, yeah, I, like I said, I would have ended up hating the sport and I was already kind of like getting into the burnout phase and thinking to myself, like, why am I even here? Like I'm missing out on everything. My sister had a baby and I, I missed that. Um, and yeah, you know, my grandparents are getting old and I was just thinking like, oh my God, is this even worth it for me to be here right now? And I think the longer I went on, the worse I would have gotten. And eventually I would have just walked away forever. It's that, I mean, exactly like you said, though, it's that old school thinking from from coaches and higher ups where it's like, you know, you have to be strong, you have to get through everything. But I think it takes more strength to realize in that position, like, okay, this is not going well for me, you're intrinsic enough to realize that. And then to come back, I feel like that should just present an opportunity to a coach to see like, okay, now they're, they must be ready to go. They took like this break, they know what they're doing, they're in touch with themselves, like, now they're ready to go. I think that's just another opportunity that coaches need to look at in that way. Yeah, for sure. It shouldn't be looked at as like a sign of weakness. It should be, yeah, I don't want to say praise, but like, yeah, to be able to recognize within yourself that maybe you need help like externally or something, it says a lot about a person's character, I think. And then, yeah, to be able to come back and have a brand new brand new outlook on the game is it's great you know maybe a new a new fire under your butt a little bit too so how do you think that stigma can be erased or changed at least that uh sometimes it's actually beneficial for a player and they might be even better they might play even better after taking a mental break or a short career break just to talk about the fact that it is an option and it isn't career suicide like that there are tools available um and in the women's side we don't have very many mental health um, tools or things for you to use. So maybe for clubs to, you know, implement a sports psychologist or some sort of counseling that's available that if you do have these feelings, you have an outlet and you can talk to somebody about it before it gets like too late or too, too, too heavy for you. So yeah, just for it to be available and then to just discuss, discuss it. Like, it's not like weird. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Just, I love that how you said that, just that it's an option and it, it should always be an option for players and not feel like that's the end all be all, like their career is over if they take a break. I think that's so important. Yeah. Um. So for you, how has it been since that kind of with still some of those same difficulties being away from family? I mean, of course you have Sarah now too, so that probably helps. So, but being still so far away from the USA and, you know, for such a long time, how have you kind of been able to still adapt to those things after the break? Mm, yeah, it's I like I have Sarah. She's a massive help. And also uh, my family has come out to visit um, in Germany. They are out here in, in Europe for the wedding in Austria. So I do feel like I have seen them a little bit more often. Um, 
and then we just like ramped up the FaceTiming schedule. Like, I got <laughs> and yeah, I get pictures from the baby, and it's just like kind of like something little I get to look forward to every day. So, very nice. So, I mean, we talked about all of these places you've been. You've been in Sweden. You've been in France. You've you've played in America in college and a little bit semi professionally, and also now in Germany. So. I mean, how do you feel like each of these places has helped you to become a better player and then even more specifically, a better defender? So which qualities did you feel like you learned and where? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think I'm very privileged because I have had the opportunity to play in multiple countries and obviously every country has their own playing style. And so I've been able to like take bits and pieces from each place and kind of mold myself into the player that I want to be. And I feel like I'm a pretty complete, complete player. I definitely took the technical side from France. That's a for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the ability to withstand extreme weather environments <laughs> in, uh, in Sweden, um, because it is here cold in Germany, but like there's nothing, there's no cold like the Swedish, Swedish winter. Yeah. So being able to be like tough, ex like on the exterior, honestly has been a big, big change for me coming from California and being a beach bum. Um, <laughs> and then it's nice to have like the, the tactical side of, of Germany and to work on the soccer IQ a little bit because for me really germany is it's like tactic city out here that, like, yeah, yeah every club has their system down pat you can look see on the video exactly everything you need to know before the game starts and then it's like a chess match like who's gonna outplay the other one here so yeah i feel like i have a little bit from each spot and then oh in america can't forget america the um physical aspects like the gym I know how to do like all the Olympic lifts like I know how to like improve my sprint form and just like the pure athlete side it's definitely the American American piece and where do you feel your game fits best at this moment in time at this moment in time I would say Germany I would say Germany because yeah I think the soccer IQ part is something that can always be learned mm -hmm. um, and as if you're able to implement, you know, um, the ball, like then, you know, you're, you're set. Like, I, I feel like I got it all at this point. Do you feel like after learning from all of these places, do you see yourself still in football after a playing career? Um, I do. I do. Actually, I have my, my UEFA B coaching license and I've oh, been cool. thinking about going the road the route of coaching um still not sure and then i don't know i don't know There's i mean avenues. with those license and possibly being trilingual in a bit yeah opens a lot of opportunities yeah and especially in the female game they are looking for more female coaches you know you always hear that they're searching for more women in the game so it could be some doors opening once once uh, the old old boots are hung up but <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see, see. yeah sure. we'll see we don't have to think about that just yet <laughs> where did you do your b license in france in germany actually in german yeah in jena oh. oh very nice did you do it you you did it in german though or did you could you do it in english it was in english it was a german company but puts it on in english it was like a group of all international people i was the only girl there i thought that was hilarious wow. um yeah in germany 
Wow, gonna nice. have to get that. Gonna have to get those links from you off. Yeah, off yeah. <laughs> I'll be the plug. I'll be the plug. Okay, <laughs> love that. And reflecting on the journey right now, what things would you say helped you get to this moment? So, in other words, why did Jen make it as a pro, and why is she still going? Um, I think I made it because I was willing to step out of my comfort zone, and through adverse conditions, I think I made positive decisions on what I needed for myself and learning when enough was enough and when to say no and when to say yes and kind of just I don't know taking taking everything I learned throughout my life to get to this moment love that so now let's head into a nice fast feet round some quick fire questions to end up we're going to start with favorite player growing up Iniesta Ooh, and just I mean as because you're did you play a bit of midfield too or never, <laughs> never, but just, just saw it and you were like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a magician with the ball. He's yeah. unreal back in the day. So I, I loved watching his YouTube, YouTube videos. Yeah. Favorite moment in football. Mm, probably qualifying for champions league, beating PSG two zero. Oh, wow. What about most difficult moment in football? Uh, I think my my knee injury was probably tough. And being alone and having surgery by myself in France, that was crazy. I mean, just to take a quick pause before the next one, if you could just, I mean, how did you how did you adapt to something like that being alone? Oh, this was this was a dark time. I won't lie to you. Um, <laughs> like I said, I had I got injured and then I had the surgery, and I remember it was like the worst feeling waking up after the surgery and just like being completely alone and even my best friends were away with the national team so I really was just like oof that was that was rough I think just trying to plug it through and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel was that you know there was going to be a recovery process and a rehab process and just hoping to get back on the field was was the only thing kind of keeping me alive at that time yeah I feel you on that best advice you ever received um probably to be where your feet are. So don't let the anxiety or the uncertainty take you away from the present moment and enjoying where you are. Is like that, that from Eric Thomas or Inky Johnson? I don't know. My, heard, my club coach told me this. Yeah, I've heard them say that. It's a great little quote. I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. How about favorite place you've lived? Mm, south of France. Ooh. Yeah, can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> What was your favorite part about it? Um, laid back lifestyle, the two hour lunch breaks, like vibes, wine and cheese. Yeah. The vibes. Yeah. Tough to beat. Best player you've ever played with and against. Best player I played with is probably Alex Morgan and against, God, there's so many, um, Diani, Alex pop, Wendy Renard. Yeah. Ballers. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Probably an astronaut, actually. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love space. I'm such a space nerd. Did you? What did you study in 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 university? I actually studied psychology and sociology, so absolutely nothing to do with space. But in my heart of hearts, I'm a, I'm an astronaut. We would have made it somehow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think with astronauts, you don't have to have like a specific background. They just teach you everything. Yeah, probably. But, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of math and stuff involved, but I, I don't know where I heard this, but like, you don't have to have any background or qualifications. There's like a test and stuff, but yeah, maybe, maybe after football, that's your, yeah. that's your calling. <laughs> we've gotten some, we've gotten some cool answers, but astronaut is like, that's up there. <laughs> that's like one of the ones you write on like the yearbook, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up astronaut? I love that. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you. A favorite book? uh tuesdays with maury it's called oh great Ooh, yeah book. yeah great one really that's good, a book. good we haven't gotten that answer yet too that's a good one heart-wrenching just oh. yeah it is yeah some Old it's Mitch one of those Allen's two it's great. one of those two you can pick up like from time to time and read again and it's kind of you can get similar meanings or different meanings from it and just like reconnect with that for sure so if it's not different or if it is different i guess from best advice you ever received any quote or mantras that you live by yeah, um, on my shin guards, actually, I have the quote, I didn't come this far just to come this far. And that's like, how I live my life to this day. Yeah. Love that. Jen, we want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, we can't wait to see where the journey takes you. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're ever in, in North Germany, the beers are on yeah. us. For sure. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was really fun. Appreciate it. We want to thank Jen and obviously FC Kuhn, Cologne, whatever your pronunciation, for coming on and sharing her story. Um, it's just such an interesting perspective in terms of her journey and things she's had to deal with and things she's had to do in order to feel herself, you know, in this game. And I think there's a lot of stigmas there um, and, and things that she had to kind of deal with in terms of obviously mental health and then in terms with um, LGBTQ rights and feeling safe in football. So, um, I mean, can't thank her enough for coming on and sharing her story, what a story it is, what a perspective she has. And, you know, it's great to see the things that she's doing both on and off the field to grow the game and grow issues around the game. Yeah. Yeah. She's certainly paving a way, making her own path. I mean, she's played in multiple countries, Sweden, France, Germany, and the U S of course. And yeah, off the field, trying to bring things forward, which is uh, not a pioneer because there's other people doing it as well. But she's, I mean, it's not easy to do because you're putting your neck out there. And um, yeah, she's she's growing the women's game uh, on and off the field, which is great to see. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, she's she's putting herself out there. And I think that can be such a scary, scary idea. I think a lot of us would rather, you know, kind of be on the side and not feel like we have to um, do more than we should. But I think she's doing a great job. And I think just a lot of these issues. And then, you know, we kind of spoke about taking it to the men's game. You know, it's great to see that women's players are so accepting in this area. And I think um, it's something that's not talked about or, or seen as more acceptable in the men's game. And I think that's a big stride that we can take. And just from the advice that she said, you know, making sure those players feel comfortable and not making because it's not it's not a big deal and it shouldn't be a big deal and it's so surprising that in in 2023 we're in god i forgot the year for a second that it is can still be looked at like as a big deal and people yeah. can feel affected by it who shouldn't so yeah hopefully you know on the men's side we can bring a lot of that advice in and, and start to switch the culture in terms of players and and providing that just inclusive attitude because everyone should feel like they have the confidence to be themselves on the field 
and she said that. I mean, there's places she's played in and areas she's been in where she didn't feel that confidence and she couldn't be herself off the field. How can you be yourself on the field when you can't be yourself off the field? I think that was a great notion that she said. And yeah, thank her again. Um, hopefully all the best for FC Kuhn and, and the remaining fixtures. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, we spoke off camera a little bit about their setting attendance records on the women's side and playing in the, in the massive stadium coming up in a few weeks. So look out for that. And yeah, we'll be plugging and passing everything with her. So just make sure you check out, follow her on Instagram, follow her on Twitter, follow Cone on Twitter, on Instagram and visit the city. Cause it's dope. It's very dope. Sean's next. I, I need to get there. I am next. Yeah. But yeah, with I mean, that, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to take you your mean? job. Tell, free support. Tell us what you mean? Free yeah, support, there you go. Man. Free support. <laughs> free support. That's what we need. Get on it. Um, keep plugging and passing some some great collaborations. Shout out to Yanks Abroad. Um, great collaboration starting with them. We're going to be posting a lot of more written work, can, you know, coming back to our guests and trying to feature a lot of those who may go under the radar and not seen um previously on on their website or websites like it for covering Americans abroad because there's so many at this time and hopefully bringing a lot of women's players onto the site too so look out for that look out for some other collaborations in the works and like subscribe all that shit really helps yeah so with that until next time keep moving forward keep learning and make your own path Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 